hey y'all it's been oh a minute oh my gosh hi in a minute i'm gonna need a cinnamon roll it has been so long I it feel. really has it, it feels that way because it is that way and <laughs> you know it's funny how sometimes it feels that way because it's true <laughs> it really do be like that sometimes and here's the thing team um hannah and i are remiss to make excuses we would, we would miss them miss it. we would be missing them as in dodging but here we are we're honest with you and it's it's just that we meaning me as an emma has just been insanely busy with work qualifications i had to meet getting a house getting my furniture all of these things and unfortunately for me i am now out of excuses so moving forward, if I'm not recording every week the way I had been previously, it's merely because I was being lazy. Here's the thing. We sound like the crappy boyfriend who's like trying to get back with you. You're like, I'm going to change. No, no. it's different. <laughs> I'm different. I'm not me. <laughs> and like you just keep making these excuses and you're like, sure. listen, it was not my fault that we had a massive fight that I caused. I feel that it was unpreventable. And yeah. and so here we are again, hats in hands, saying the same thing that we say all the time, which is it really do be like that. We are busy people. And the thing is, we're never going to give up the podcast because we love it. The truth of the matter, though, is getting to not only record it, but getting time to edit and release it. We still are underpaid <laughs> for a two-woman production team unfortunately and, and we're really not talented at it like it's definitely something we should outsource at the first earliest opportunity <laughs> really really ought to so if you know somebody who is willing to work for free and likes funny podcasts send them our way listen if you see something say something see it say it sorted you know <laughs> Um, so anyway. I think we'll dispense with the apologies. You and I both know it's going to happen again, but we yeah, will yeah, try yeah. our very bestest to bring you more hot off the presses content. And honestly, we were talking about this earlier. There's not that much going on in the world. Like I'll tell you for free. There's just not, there's not that much happening. You know, we're just kind <laughs> of living life. We're out here. We're tired. We're drinking coffee and we're trying to get through it, you know, yeah, but yeah, there's yeah. no... There are some updates. We'll we'll update you because yeah. a few things have changed. A few, a few key things have changed. Uh -huh. um, but other than that, like, do we remain women who don't like people who would rather read than interact? Yeah, we do. And when we say in the world, we mean our world, which consists of just Hannah and I. As far as we're concerned. Teeny tiny. <laughs> we are the sole popular. We're the mayors. It's just us. We're the mayors. <laughs> and... That's it. I don't think people realize how many references from Bewitched that we use. <laughs> I don't think people realize how many references from Dane Cook are still in our vocabulary. And it was just one special. I think it was in like 2008. Like it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, but like breezes, like we use a lot. <laughs> we use a lot. <laughs> See the truth. That's Dane Cook. Um, Who bought? noodles like there's a and lot of niche references that we you have to know consistently you gotta and if know. you haven't seen that one isolated dane cook sketch you won't get like half of what we said you have to look up i think it's dane cook women are brain ninjas is that one yeah and 
We also, when we say, and I laugh and I laugh and I laugh, that's from Bewitched um, per Will Ferrell. And And I laugh. (laughs) And there's just, you you know what? People always say, Hannah Emma, Hannah Emma, you might say, how do you guys know so many things? And we say, um, it's because all we do is stay in and (laughs) isolate ourselves with pop culture. That's it. It's because I would rather watch TV, read, and have people interact around me that I don't actually have to speak to than interact in the normal social context way. I'll give you a great example. Yesterday, my company provided payday drinks. So basically, up on the fourth floor, which is where we have our lunches, they Mm -hmm. were going to bring some form of alcohol that many people were going to partake in. And you know, you're a different person at 2.30 than you are at 5 p.m. You know, like 2.30 in the afternoon, you have dreams, you have goals. You're like, I can do anything. I'm a little tired, but I can make it all rally. At 5 p.m., you're your true self, which is, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to go home. Mm -hmm. So at 2.30, one of my colleagues was like, are you going to come to payday drinks? And I was like, no, probably not. I'll just go home. And they're like, no, come. Uh." And spent like (laughs) one minute telling me why it would be a good idea for me to go. And I was like, stop by for one it's only upstairs like i'll stop by for one 5 p.m came i was like i said to my friend at work i was like i literally won't walk up a flight of stairs because i don't want to interact with people like i just want to go home um and the truth of the matter is that's most days like there's Mm -hmm. very few days where i'm like you know what'd be really good is like to go do something social like great example last weekend i had a hen do and it was a great it was a great time because i love the bride she's wonderful and honestly i wanted to celebrate her that being said um <laughs> i was i was i'm gonna omit the word trapped in a house with <laughs> 11 women for two and a half days i would tell you the hours but i can't do math so it was a lot a lot of hours. And although they were very kind to me, they let me go read, they let me like decompress, I was still expected to be like social and happy and funny for mm. like 52 hours. Okay. <laughs> um, wow. We have, we have exceeded <laughs> the, the time that she initially thought she was in there, guys. This is serious. Two and a half days. I thought you said just two. Uh, so, um, <laughs> well, the point being, it was a week. <laughs> I digress. It was so long. Um, But the point being, like, was it a nice time? Yeah. Like, did I, there was, there was, no, it wasn't like there was a hot. Yeah. They had like a hot tub that I went in. It was nice to hang out with a couple of friends. Sure, sure, Um, sure. I don't know about you, team, but I am super convinced that Hannah wanted to be there. But I got a text message this week. Okay. So I, I left and I am grateful for the experience. That's mm-hmm. a great way to leave it. Um, <laughs> so I left and I clawed my way home and Fair. I shut my door and I didn't talk to anyone for 24 hours. Yeah, that's true. But I got a text this week, midway through the week that was like, Hey girls, do you want to do something? And like planning a girl's night. And I'm like, you must be outside your mind. You're telling me that less than four days after that, you know, 72 hour hold, you already want to, s- no, no, like, no, <laughs> like, no, 
I don't, I don't want to go. What are you going to talk about? <laughs> we used all the small talk back there. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> you already know how my job is. It's fine. I told you that. <laughs> you know, my hobbies and my favorite color. <laughs> what else can you want from me? Um, Did you so say yeah. yes? No, I didn't answer. <laughs> are you, you're not like in the bridal party, are you? Oh, yeah. She's the mayor. I'm I'm a bridesmaid. You're a bridesmaid? <laughs> okay. But in fairness, it was like a similar group of friends, not the hen- like not the bridal party. So it was very easy for me to say no. Mm, okay. Phew. And by say no, I mean not respond. It's implied. Yeah. Take my silence as a no. Aren't you so excited for my future hypothetical Hendy though? We're going to do it up. Whose line is it anyway style? I am excited for it. Um, whose head is it anyway? Going to be a great event. Um, here's the thing. Okay. So <laughs> if it's a critique the- or a criticism, I don't want it. <laughs> I'm just telling you now. I mean, as is everything else in your life. Um, no. So I went to this Hindu and the maid of honor was very, very nice. She had planned loads of games. Um, and I understand the impulse, right? You have loads of women you're holding captive in this house. Sure. I mean, loads of women staying here for this lovely event. And so you need to entertain them. <laughs> they have joined you, know? you in happiness. <laughs> and eagerness come out of the goodness of their hearts because they love it um so i get it like you need to entertain them Mm -hmm. um but one of her games was like maybe we should do because the bride loves mama mia who doesn't who among us doesn't love mama mia so she was like meryl street i'm in sublime (laughs) sublime uh so she was like oh maybe this was after we'd already played a few games she was like oh maybe we should do you listen to a couple seconds of the song and you try to guess that song no one said anything now let me read the subtext for you because some people are not empaths some people don't get that so if no one says anything when you suggest an event plan a game an idea and there's just rapturous silence take it as a no okay (laughs) take it as take it as a no you remember my silence at the event it's a no so she was like yeah 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 that's good so we should and she kept suggesting it and the bride didn't say anything and i'm like read the room <laughs> like it is a no it is like 11 p.m they just want to drink and hang out they don't really want to play another game but i didn't say any of that you know why because i am a selfish person and i didn't want to <laughs> deal with the ramifications of me saying that um to, to the maid of honor <laughs> yeah but she i mean presumably she knows the bride pretty well Presumably. So, I mean, in my situation, let's say I'm the bride because I'm always the bride. Let's bring this back to me. (laughs) No, I'm saying though, if I, if you're my, whoever's my best friend or good friend is the maid of honor, wouldn't they know that the bride would not be interested in doing a certain thing? Like, I think I would never suggest to you to be like, Hey, get up and tell us like 10 things about you because that's like your worst nightmare. I would just not do that. Um, yeah, I, um, (laughs) yeah, I think, I think she does. I think the problem is because they're childhood friends. I think there are various phases of the bride that the person knows. She doesn't know. And so like, yeah, I see what you're saying. She like, doesn't necessarily know her the best, even though she knows her the longest, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. I mean, once again, second cost fallacy. 
Well, here's my thing. And I've always said this. If all you talk about in your friendship, because there's a difference between reminiscing and being solely focused on the past. So if all you have in common are these memories that you share, and if you only talk about things that happened in the past, largely like years ago, then you probably don't have a current friendship. What you have is a loving memory. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But if you try to force it into the box of a current friendship, you will probably both end up hurt because you don't have anything in common anymore. And so like not everyone's going to stay in your life forever. And so it's trying to drag that older friendship into this new context that's like, yeah, it might be nice to catch up, but really you guys wouldn't be friends now. Yeah. It's also this idea of like, there's this pressure to make someone who was significant at like a a pivotal stage in your life significant at this new pivotal stage. And it's like, maybe we like every so often would send a text back and forth. But for me, the friends that I had in the past that like, I might still talk to them, but I wouldn't consider us close. They might be involved, but they're certainly not going to be in a maid of honor position. Well, and like, I'll give you an example. My roommate from Texas, um, she's really nice. You know, we had a few tits and tats, uh, problems, random things, but ultimately she's a really nice person and I like her. Um, We'll catch up sometimes randomly, you know, just message back and forth. How are you doing? Maybe an hour, you know what Mm -hmm, I mean? Like mm -hmm. not long in the grand scheme of things. I wouldn't invite her to come stay because to me, she's not a current friend. She's someone Mm -hmm. I have fondness for because she's a previous friend, but she's not a friend in my current phase of life. She's not someone that I keep up with. She's not someone that I, you know, tell all my secrets to. And I think there's a difference. And I think people are sometimes hesitant to let those old relationships just naturally decompose Mm -hmm. because they're not, they're not for now. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, it's not to say that they weren't great where they were. It's just like some people are just there for a season. Mm -hmm. I have other thoughts, but they're best said to just kind of individually because they are about to people we both know. So anyway, and there are some people who you should just cut out your life viciously because they're horrible. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just take a machete and whack it. through it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we digress. We're, you know, introverty people. And with that hmm. comes a burden. I've been talking a lot <laughs> in my social circle about energy hmm. management. And although hmm. it sounds kind of LA, I think I mentioned it before, but to be honest, I can't remember because it's been like six months. Um, so I think I mentioned it on the podcast, but like, it has been a thousand years. everybody, but everybody has different levels of energy and mm-hmm. not everybody gets energy in the same ways. So for me, I get energy from being by myself. I get energy mm-hmm. from not having it. It's like a weird, I, I need a time where I don't have any obligations on me. I have no one that I need to like do anything for. And I just have the freedom to do whatever I want. Um, and that's what like alone time is to me. It's, it is separation from people, which is important, but it's also like, if I, for example, if I have like 50 errands to run, but I'm by myself, that's not, that's not filling me. You know, it's nice not to have to talk to anybody, but like, that's not the same as mm-hmm. like recharging time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for other people, like my husband's a great example. He gets energy from close friends. So he gets energy from people. So for him, if he's feeling down and he goes out to do some socializing, he gets a lot more energy. And so his energy management is actually making time for friends, whereas mine is making time apart from friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people maybe 
judge is the wrong word, but they look down on people with lower energy capacities for like people. Because mm-hmm. I have a high energy capacity for a lot of things, but I have a very low energy capacity for people. So to manage my energy, I don't make plans during the week because I don't, it's not that, I mean, I literally don't want to see people, but it's not from a space of like, I don't like you. It's just, I have no capacity to be friendly. I just need to recover because I work a lot. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I think as I've gotten older, I've reversed my, the way I get energy because when I was younger in my early twenties, I wanted to be out all the time. I was like, no, I'm going to go out like every week. And I think it's natural. I think most of us just automatically have a higher energy capacity, um, when we're younger. And I, sometimes I wonder like, am I not going out because I don't want to go out or am I not going out because of like anxiety or something like this? And most of the time it's just that I generally don't want to put the effort in of like, getting dressed and like getting ready because like for a guy, you throw on some clothes, you like shape your hair and you're out the door. But for us as women and some men, of course, it takes, it's a process to get like ready. And so I really have to care about who I'm going to see if I'm going to put in that much energy or I already need to have like a, like when I visit Hannah, like it's a given that we are going to go out and do things and I don't mind getting ready for those things because I want to go. Um, But I get like, not FOMO in the sense of like, I'm missing out on like socializing. I get concerned I'm missing out on experiences. And most of the experiences I would rather experience alone or with like one close person anyway. And so that I would say I have to make myself do because there's an anxiety around doing things by myself in a country where I don't speak the same language. Like that's difficult for me. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem for me is the reason I turned down a lot of social events is I don't feel like it's an experience. Like mm-hmm. I, it's not that I know exactly how the night's going to go. You never do, but I can basically sketch out for you what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're all, it's, it's a group full of women. We're all going to arrive still to the in same this club. We're still in, in this club. Um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not actually, that's not actually a show reference. That's just Emma and I's mind. Uh, we were, we were laughing about the song in this club, make love in this club by Usher. And I was like, the thing that I can't get over is that they keep repeating in this club. And then we started making kind of a joke about it as like a satire of in this club. And then it, it has now become part of our Hannah and Emma lore of like things that we talk about. And we're like, we're still in the club. We can't find the exit. Like, <laughs> we live in this um, club. <laughs> I guess I'll sleep the, in one of the booths. But the club <laughs> is usually like just a, like a segment of our lives. It's not like a physical location. It's like a it's place like... we don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, like so it'll be a group of women will arrive to whatever location we'll pick. It's usually gonna be someone's house, but maybe it's like mm-hmm. a bar. A restaurant or something. We'll get yeah. there. Yeah. We'll get there and small talk will ensue. And that small talk mm-hmm. will last for hours. And the hours of small talk later, you don't get any closer to the people. So I understand spending time with a group full of people when you're emotionally investing. So when you're talking mm-hmm. about stuff like, you know, Emma and I love to talk about trauma. To be honest with you, <laughs> it's it's one of the we things we talk it. about the most consistently. We have a lot of it. We have 200 years of trauma to just reach <laughs> in our In our 29 years, we've accumulated. <laughs> in our 29 years, well, we've times accumulated as much. a heckin' lot, a heckin' lot. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just so much easier to actually 
because Emma and I have stupid conversations all the time. Um, we'll, you we'll heard share it some of them with you. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but like, we'll share some of them with you, like Love Island and, and other topics that we consistently just chit chat about. Mm-hmm. But very rarely are we like, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. How's work? Work's good. Are you, uh. are, do you, what do you, so um, like, what are you doing at work right now? Like, what are, what are you working well, what's on? What's like your and, current project? Um, and you can't explain it to people because nobody does your job. And so you can talk about it with colleagues. You can talk about it with close others who like know who you've spent the time investing in, but like the, 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 like very superficial small talk at the end of the night, you're no closer to those people mm-hmm. because you haven't dipped below the superficial. And so Mm -hmm. what you've done effectively in my mind is waste four hours. You've Mm -hmm. wasted four hours. And, you know, again, oh, oh, it's so fun. It's so nice to see you guys. It's so nice to interact. And I'm like, I hear you. But for me, it's not fun. It's just thank you. Taxing. (laughs) You just say, thank you. And you move on. (laughs) You're not gonna say back. No. thing it's so much it's so much easier to endure those nights out when you're with someone you're already close to so when I hang out with Hannah and Hannah's friends and some of them like Faye and Tammy I would consider my friends but um I'm not I don't necessarily think that we're like bosom buddies you know like we're not super close but we're like friends but I would say for the most part like for instance back in November when we had that dinner like my second night there or whatever first or second night and it was like the group of us it was kind of like that. It was sort of just like, blah, blah, blah. you know, it was like really insignificant, not insignificant, but just an easy conversation because it wasn't like any serious elements. I feel bad for them because whenever Hannah and I are in the same space, it's sort of like we monopolize. Um, and I, I would be uncomfortable in that situation as anybody else, because it's kind of like you're an outsider already automatically. That's why we really hesitate to, I mean, we love having you guys as our third friend, but that's why we really hesitate to make group plans. Um, And it it genuinely is out of concern for other people because Emma and I mostly speak in code or reference. Like there's not, there's not that many sentences that we get out without a reference. And we'll both laugh a lot because we know all the references, (laughs) but imagine being like you guys, the team, you have a unique window. You know, you, you get a lot of our references. We explain a lot of them. We talk through like how they came about, et cetera, in this club. Um, but like, but shockingly, we don't typically do that. <laughs> but shockingly, we don't take that time. Um, but what I'm saying is like, if you were Ooh, actually just the third person who has the time, <laughs> you're, you're done. But if you're, you're done. <laughs> but if you're just genuinely a third person who's sitting there and we're cracking up between us, it must feel uncomfortable. so uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> case in point. <laughs> Do head. we say the same things a lot of the time? Yeah. Yes. The number of times that we'll text back and forth and she'll be like, I was literally about to send you that. Or like, <laughs> I, I copy and pasted that as you sent it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and sometimes we try to be cognizant of it. And let's say, in, for instance, after that dinner, Faye went out with us and we went dancing and we had a great and time. And we had a great time. But we, as Hannah and I, have to be cognizant of who is around us, especially in those smaller settings, to ensure that they feel included. And it's not that we don't enjoy spending time with those other people in that situation. It's just that we are not giving all of ourselves in that instance, because if we were, they wouldn't feel like 
they'd be third wheeling and we don't want other people to feel that way. So it's another reason why actually Luke doesn't hang out with us very much. Um, (laughs) and I'll get, he doesn't have that kind of energy. Like it really taxes him. Um, and so like Luke loves Emma, Luke supports Emma and I, you know, he knows that she's my best friend, like very happy with that relationship, Mm -hmm. but he, he doesn't like, if we're going to dinner, he's not coming. Um, no. And it's not because, but it's not because he doesn't love you. It's not because he doesn't love me. It's not because he doesn't support our friendship. It's because sure. he supports our friendship that having to explain everything and slow everything down and like not just banter back and forth, it it does make the other person uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, it's one of the reasons why we are trying to coordinate her husband as someone who my husband likes because they will have to hang out. Um, so it's significant, you know, it's, it's It's a big investment for Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I should have a question there just for Luke that I have prepared for somebody to answer. And I don't know if we should do that now or not, because I want to finish this train of thought before I dive into that, which is my only last thought about the small talk horror that is group dinners is that. I think when you have such a good friendship with like someone else or other people, it makes other outings kind of pale in comparison. And you're kind of like, what is the point? Yeah. Cause the thing is like, I'm not as much as I am high maintenance in some ways, I'm really not high maintenance and what I want, like what it takes to have fun. Mm-hmm. Great example. When Emma and I were in Italy, the activities we did were not that complex. Mm-hmm. Like we literally were walking around. We may have gone shopping. We went to like <laughs> we a food went place. To <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like we went to a food place. We went to get coffee. Like it wasn't yeah. like we were going on these like elaborate experiences. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it wasn't like we'd booked all these like immense events that were yeah. like, and then we went whitewater <laughs> rafting. And then we like, it, it doesn't come to lurch was to a vineyard where we all got drunk together and we became sommeliers. No, we didn't. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't take a lot for me to have fun in terms of the, like, complexity of the experience. It's about Mm -hmm. the people that I'm with. So for me, it is a lot more about, like, who I'm there with and what we're doing. So even if I enjoy Indian food, going Mm -hmm. to get Indian food with six people that I'll have to share small talk with is not my idea of fun. Mm Mm-hmm. That reminds me of a song from the Swan Princess and now it's stuck in my head. So thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, similarly, but not related. One of my colleagues has watched Encanto one too many times and he always goes, we don't talk about Bruno and I haven't seen it, but now I know that stupid reference and I use it all the time. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> um, also, uh, my colleague and I have co-opted something. He's like my work best friend. Sure. Um, so, you he's know. He's a male, so he's not threatening. <laughs> yeah, but he's fab. Um, anyway, so we have a lot of, like, references very similar to how Emma and I do. Mm-hmm. So we co-opted immediately no, because I use it a lot. I'm like, immediately no. <laughs> immediately no. Um, and we used immediately yes, and it was a vibe. I love Immediately that. yes. Immediately yes. Do you want to go shopping? Immediately yes. Immediately, yes. <laughs> See? Mm-hmm. It works. It really does. Okay. Um, anyway, I think we should talk about your life updates because this is probably okay. the most natural segue without going, I have something to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of me, 
Um, <laughs> I hate when I have so much attention on me. As I I'm hate it. <laughs> um, do you think that we should do this part of the chit chat or should we like make it my tea and dive in? Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, let's let's actually introduce the podcast and then make it your tea. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Hey, you've been here for about 40 minutes now. You're probably wondering, <laughs> what is this? Where am I? <laughs> um, I'll tell you, team. You're with the TCT. The heckin' TCT. I yeah. am Hannah. And I'm Emma. And if you break out the TCT, it stands for the transcontinental T. Trans is in between two continents. Tea. And we are supporters and allies of the trans community, but we are not trans ourselves. Um, I know that sounds kind of stupid to explain, but you would not believe the amount of times we get asked that. So it's actually unbelievable. You can't believe it. You you would be shocked. (laughs) You would be shook. So we are the transcontinental tea. We are a loving, warm, welcoming podcast that posts every, you know, six years. Every so often. And we are, (laughs) we're so excited to have you with us. So let's get into the tea of the week. And Emma can tell us about her updates. Week tea. We're doing it. So, um, when Hannah was in Italy so long ago, back in, I guess it was technically May still, but the last week of May, gosh, um, she was like, Listen, Emma, I know how much you hate dating apps. We have talked about it. We've had Emma's bees, which will not be making a prize. I'm sorry to say. If you know me, okay, you know that this was a God moment because for me to recommend a dating app. Huge. (laughs) You would have lost all your money if you'd bet on this any other time. Like I spent a good portion of my life trying to talk Emma off of dating apps, <laughs> consistently telling her they were a bad idea. And I was correct. Like I was not wrong. Um, but I just wanted times, to, it was not good. <laughs> like 11 out of 10 times, it was bad. So I, it was an immediately like, no situation. It was an immediately no. So for me to say to Emma, Hey, I think you should get on this specific dating app. It felt, it felt significant. And with the results, I feel confident in saying it was like a God moment. It was a universe moving things into place moment. But I just wanted to say that because I don't think people will get the significance Mm -hmm. because it's quite normal for friends to be like, oh, should you get on this dating app or whatever? Like at no point, by no means, would I normally do that? No, every time I told Hannah back in like Georgia, New York, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I like gave into weakness. I met this guy. So I had to meet him. I'd be like, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and then she'd be like, no, I'm on an app, didn't you? And I would have to admit my faults and my transgressions. <laughs> and she would say a lot with her silence. And that was really where we left it. Because <laughs> Hannah allows me to make my own mistakes, <laughs> which I did. I really try. <laughs> which I did. So... I was actually the one objecting. I was like, I really just feel like I'm not supposed to meet. It's been, it's failed every single time. Like I've lost faith in them. And and she was like, well, like just, just to see what's out there. Like, just look because you want to live in England. So like, just see. So I did. And I would say 98% of the men on there are the exact kinds of men that I thought they would be. And 
don't count. They're not a part of the story. Like they get that brief introduction as like douchebag corner and they stay and there. And they were there. <laughs> they were present and accounted for, I'll tell you. So, but um, I got lucky and blessed and part of the 2% this time. And I snatched one out of that pool, the teeny tiny, it's a kiddie pool. It's oh, look how cute. Mine. It's a very I small paddling pool. It's so small. <laughs> you you learn how to like sit in that water. <laughs> like you sit. You just learn. <laughs> it, it's what your parents used to get you used to the feeling of water. It's like, a, it's a sink. It's your first bath in the sink. So that's where we're at. It's that small. Um, and I would say I wasn't like, it wasn't that I wasn't keen on them. It was more so like I wasn't all in from the word go. And I don't feel like I was that way with anybody. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I was like immediately. Yes. You know, not like in a, I don't like you sort of way, but just in like a, I am not sure that I want to go all in on someone right now. So I kept it very casual, not just with him, but with like everybody I was chatting to at the start, it was sort of just like, you know, well, I getting think to you know also, I think you were also still in the phase very rightly. So of being exceptionally skeptical of dating apps, because again, 11 out of 10 times they're bad experiences. So mm-hmm. for you to, cause we've been there, you know, like for you to be like, Oh my gosh, I met someone. I think they're great. And then like two weeks later, it's like, Oh, they're a loser. I didn't realize I didn't see the signs. <laughs> yeah. Like we didn't know. And now we know. And so, okay, we're, we're, we move. But I think it's that kind of hangover that, that would naturally cause you trepidation and would make you go like, actually, I'm not sure if I'm going to invest any emotion at all in anyone I'm meeting until there's some significant spark. Like there's something Mm -hmm. that gives me hope that this is going to go beyond a six week conversation. Mm -hmm. I did mention him to Hannah as just like, here's all the boxes that he's checked. And it was like all the major ones were there that we had It was like the foundations of a good relationship. And so for me, that obviously was interesting because that almost never happens with them. Usually it's like, (laughs) so he used words and (laughs) they were in English. They were in English. He speaks he English. Me. <laughs> and then she'd send me a picture, like, no, this is not of this person, but, like, normally. She'd, like, send me some menial, like, he is so funny. He loves shorts. And you're like, okay. And then, like, she'd send me a picture of him. And, of course, to me, he's not attractive because almost none of Emma's paramours are attractive to me and vice versa. It's who we are. It's, it's how fine. we thrive. It's fine. But I prefer it is, that way. <laughs> it really works well for us. So there's this, like, menial trait. There's this picture that, to me, is unattractive. And then Emma's like, I think it's going really well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so So this time when when she sent me this particular description i was like are you saying you have like your core checklist met and she was like yeah but i don't know maybe i'm like no hang on let's go back so so you're saying to me that the fundamental things you're looking for in a relationship this guy has she's like yeah i'm like okay Okay. <laughs> Interesting. No, but she didn't make a big deal of it because if she had made a big deal of it, I would have been like, bye, because I'm too anxious for that. Like, you cannot let me know what you think because I'm too persuadable. And yeah, yeah, shh, quiet. Don't tell me. Don't tell me your opinions. Don't do it. Which is why I hardly ever go until it gets to a certain point. I don't usually go to people with like, should I or shouldn't I kind of questions because it's like, 
what if Hannah, I trust, but like most people I would say, like, don't necessarily have my best interest in mind when they answer those questions. So I'm hesitant to like explore what other people have to think. So, um, I, so I would say that was probably for like the first week we were like chatting, but it wasn't like a consistent, like we talk all the time sort of thing. And then one day I shifted my attention. I was like, well, this guy has like all of these like core attributes that I really appreciate in that. Like he's a good person. Um, he's cute. He, he like, and I have like, we have Benta and, um, <laughs> And so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just keep talking to him. And I would say, I think that night we talked for like six hours straight. Like once I made a decision to like talk to this person, it was pretty much immediate. And the chemistry was there off the bat. Um, <laughs> I really like him. And I'm so frustrated because I was supposed to meet him earlier in July. And then I got COVID and I couldn't. Um, so we've just been doing like video dates every weekend since then. And we chat every day. Listen, I'm always excited for Emma because I never want to paint a picture that I I know best because sometimes I don't. Um, but I have never been this excited about someone for Emma. And that's the God's honest truth. Like there are very few people in Emma's life, either in the talking phase, the dating phase, or actually in relationship, especially none in relationship. But there, there are very few... <laughs> There no, and I say this with all seriousness. Like there are very few men that you've dated that I feel are actually worthy of your time. Um, like I, I don't know him. him. I don't know him. I haven't met him. Um, but I know enough from the way that Emma speaks about him and the way that he comes across in situations, like any sort of initial discussions because you have to have them when you're starting a relationship, especially one that's going to be partially long distance. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these are some of the things that I'm bringing with me from my past. And these are some of the ways that I handle conflict that aren't great. And, you know, like just his responses to those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I have full confidence in him and I really love the change that I've seen in Emma, not from being with him, but from working through her own stuff with someone who's safe to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's, it's night and day. And I know that because I've seen it in my own life. Like, I mean, God, like <laughs> some of the guys that I was interested in before I was with my husband were disgustingly toxic, like toxic, um, <laughs> <laughs> like toxic. So Britney Spears can't even fathom how toxic she doesn't even know. She doesn't she's know. not even aware. She has copyrights to it. She still doesn't know. So <laughs> the point being like, I I fully understand what it is to go through that and to work on yourself. And like, Emma, I don't know if you want to talk about maybe the emotional work, because that's been a huge part of this for mm-hmm. you. Like you were saying to me the other week, you kind of wish you'd done more. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know if you want to kind of elaborate on that. Yeah, team, nothing is hidden from you except for the things I choose to tell you. And what you don't know can't hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an open book, except the pages I don't let you read. <laughs> you're done you're done um yeah so I think that and I've told this to Hannah as well we don't think about the emotional work that we need to do when we're single because we're single and the things that I struggle with in relationships don't impact me at all when I'm single or if they do they manifest differently and I can't recognize them and that's probably the case for most of us I think like it looks this way when you're in a relationship and it looks that way when you're single And when you're single, it doesn't seem that pressing or that big of a deal because it's like you dealing with it and no one else is really impacted by it. When you're in a relationship, you're dating, um, obviously you have to consider the other individual. And 
a lot of it for me has been dealing with, and we talked about this last episode, I say last week, but we did record last week. I released it earlier in the week, um, anxious attachment styles. And I have one. <laughs> um, and a lot of that it, in, you know, I think with TikTok, you see it a lot. And I think we're all more, a little, a little more comfortable talking about it, but we don't think other people feel that way. And so we feel really isolated. And I just wish that I had like recognized it earlier because I know why I have it. And it's from partners who minimize my feelings or made me feel unsafe expressing them and, or would use um, like they would withhold from me to punish me for not like gratifying them or satisfying them in some way that they didn't even tell me that like I needed to do for them, you know, like it was like a game. And so if I don't hear from someone or they're online or they've read my message and they haven't responded to me, my mind automatically goes to this is bad. They don't care about me. They've changed their mind. Worst case scenario. And did you have something to say? Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, Emma took the Enneagram test. I really like the Enneagram test for those Mm -hmm. who don't know about it. It's got nine different personality types and it's really, really good. It's, it's very old and it's, it's really well tested. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of the things that came out of that, she's a two, for those who are wondering, I was shocked also. (laughs) Um, But it actually makes a ton of sense because she's so people centric. So for example, if someone doesn't like me, it will bother me, but it will bother me from a different sense of like, I don't like the reputational damage. Whereas for Emma, it eats at her in a way that feels like she fails. Mm -hmm. Like it eats at her in a way that feels much more personal. Um, And so especially in situations where it's a person's approval or like perceived validation or perceived love, affection, ETC, for Emma, it goes to a different space. Like if for example, it's not because she's not logical. Like she goes through these logical exercises. I'm on the receiving end of a lot of the conversations <laughs> of like, but like you go through the logical steps. If you're like, I know that if someone's online and they've read my message, it doesn't immediately mean they're ignoring me. But equally, her feelings tell her that it's an intentional slight to tell her that she's not good enough, to tell her that, you know, we're never going to be together, to tell her all of these mm-hmm. negative things that are not implied, but it's because she cares so much about that person caring. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it does, I think the Enneagram result does actually inform a lot of your rationale behind things because I think there is the anxious attachment style, but I think there's also how you are as a person and your personality and you're much more, um, not approval focused in the sense of just validation for validation's sake, but approval for guarantee of love. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't tell me how much you love me, I don't know. And then I feel like it can dissipate and I'm not sure about it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not being given vocally, because that's not everyone's strong suit, you know, and I recognize that, like, not everyone is capable or like thinks about really expressing themselves verbally when it comes to like emotional attachment. Um and when I'm getting it physically, like if I'm getting affection physically, it doesn't strike as much of a chord with me because you're showing me that you care about me in different ways. And I'm very forthcoming when it comes to like verbal expression of affection. Like I need some of that back because otherwise I don't, 
I don't want it to be a crutch. Like you have to tell me when you're busy all the time. I want to just know that like you care, but I don't know that you care unless in other ways, like you tell me that you care. And I would say he's been very responsive to that and has been very cognizant of my needs. And I don't ever feel like he's intentionally not doing them because he just doesn't want to. So no, he's a fantastic person. And I think he's dealt with all of it really well. Not to say that like everybody has stuff. So it's not like mm-hmm. just you that has stuff. But I think the way that he's reacted to your specific stuff has been really good. Um, I agree, which is like part of the reason why I have such an attachment to him, you know, like, yeah, I, I think I think he's cute. Like, I really do. I'm, I'm, I think he's handsome. I'm attracted to him. But that's not like it, it's weird to say that it sounds bad because I think societally you place so much value on like he's cute. And so I like him like, yes, he's cute, but that is not why I like him. And it's only been. A couple of months now, I think we're almost at two months of just like talking. We, we call it dating because talking you can do with anybody. Like it's too casual for what this is, but it's not a relationship either because we haven't met in the physical world. And I don't think either of us are comfortable saying it's my boyfriend or girlfriend when we're not physically have met, you know, um, but not because we're not serious about each other. So we're dating as far as we're concerned, but I digress. Let's talk about Love Island. Emma recently... <laughs> came to the uk as she said and pre-covid we watched love island now is this do you want to make this your tea or do you want to just move on into the soap because we're still on the tea okay hang on um oh i uh i have a british driving license now that's my tea of the week i am a fully qualified british driver and it was she did it she did it it was about a month of torture and I don't mean for me, I mean for Luke, because he had to drive me everywhere. Um, I was absolutely fine. But um, yeah, it was basically a month between when my US license expired and unfortunately, not due to COVID and 9-11, but because the US produces bad drivers, the British government does not allow for an exchange program of licenses, which I think hmm. is very fair. Interesting. Um, so basically, I don't know if people know this, but in other countries, like driving education is required. Um, and there's like rules that you have to follow for it. Whereas in the States, it's like, depends on which state you come from. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. And nobody really Insurance. goes to like, <laughs> so, um, so they don't exchange licenses with us mm-hmm. licenses. Whereas if you're from a European country and you have, let's say an Italian license, you could just trade in your license because they understand the driving requirements that have been levied upon you in Italy and they know what training you went through to get here. Whereas so in the States, couldn't you have just gotten a new license in the States? So theoretically, yes. Um, but you can only drive on your U S license for one year before you need to get a British license. Once you're a citizen or once you're I living see. here full time, I got you. Okay. So the exception to that rule is if you work on a government contract, you will mm-hmm. get a base license. Right. That base license permits you to continue driving on your U S license as long as it's valid. Got now, it. basically, yeah. So your year license, your year of driving on the U S license doesn't start until you're on a visa that is not, a government work visa. So basically, mm. as soon as you lose like your base permit, you then have the ticking time clock of a year to get your license. Mm. Okay. Well, Hannah did it. She passed. She heckin' did it. Um, and so yeah, she's she's a free wild woman on the roads again. Um, honestly, I just didn't remember. Like, it's been over 10 years since I took a driving test. Lol. Um, I'm old. <laughs> but um, I just I don't you don't think about how your driving habits change over time or like 
I don't know. It was just a really weird feeling to be so scrutinized when I was driving. Like yeah, it, it's not something that I've had happen. And like afterwards, I was really aware of like all of my habits in a way that I wasn't aware of it before I took the test. So um, yeah, she passed. She did it. She drank that tea. She okay. Did well, I suppose we can dive into the full soda now, which is really just Hannah and I talking about the things that we want to talk about. And you guys are privy to that. So you're welcome. You're along for the ride. What, 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 what? The tea is exceptionally good today. <laughs> Who made this? Mm-hmm. Very delicious. Um, as we were saying, free Hannah's tea, Love Island, I finally let her expose me to it um, when I was there <sighs> for a couple of days in early July. And before this, to be fair, I don't... When I, if I did, I don't know if I did have access to it when I was in the U.S., probably, but I didn't immediately. It was so on Netflix. It was on, it was on Hulu as of last year, I think. Okay. Um, And just for background, in case people in the U.S. don't watch it, um, there is a U.S. version, but it's crap. Um, But it's, mm-hmm. it's a British phenomenon. So it's basically yes. a reality it's show. It's big time. <laughs> so it's a British reality show that involves sexy singles um but basically it, it's a bunch of single people men and women in equal numbers mm-hmm. very noah's ark um and they go to majorca and so they're in this villa in majorca and they don't see anyone except for the cast members so it's kind mm-hmm. of like big brother in that sense but it's called love island because your goal in going there is to find love mm-hmm. and subsequently at the end of it the public will vote for the couple that they like the best and they'll win money so mm-hmm. there is a financial motivator but mostly it's the sponsorships and things after this so after this you will become a social media celebrity because you've been on love island the point being it's essentially 90 days of content so they're filmed every hour of every day for 90 days. So every single day, apart from Sundays, you mm-hmm. have a new episode, which is heretofore unheard of by reality TV That's standards. True. Like usually you have one a week. So you have like an hour of content per week. This is 30 minutes, 35 minutes per day for six days. Mine's a lot of content. Typically. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of content. Um, so just the volume of content is unique. Huge. The type it's of, the type of scenario is different. So there are other shows that are like, come fall in love in this place, you know, a la the bachelor temptation Island, whatever else. Um, but it's not exactly the same. Um, and so each, every few weeks, they'll bring in what they call bombshells, which are basically just new single people. And so those bombshells will be there specifically sent to not just test the relationships for, you know, like, are you guys good together, but do we have a better connection than you two have? Mm-hmm. Um, and so essentially week on week, you see the relationships develop, you see whether or not they stay with the people they were originally with. Many of them don't. Um, you see, you know, they basically call it, will, will their heads turn? And mm-hmm. um, so will they, will they be, you know, tempted by this new person? Will they leave the couple that they're in or are they, more interested in the couple and the relationship that they are already building. Um, And then at some point about halfway through, they go to what is called Casa Amor. Um, So Casa Amor is where the original guys who are left and the original girls who are left are split into two houses, the Mm -hmm. Capulets and the Montagues. So they're split (laughs) into the two houses. And basically each house has 
six new, it's, it's usually six at each house, has six new guys and six new girls respectively. So the guys are with entirely new girls and the girls are with entirely new guys. And mm-hmm. then essentially they have to decide whether to stick or twist. So they'll spend a week at Casa Amor. And then at the end, they'll bring in the guys or girls with either the person that they've picked at Casa Amor or alone because they've chosen to stay in their couple. Mm-hmm. So anybody who's not picked a new person will either stay in the same couple or be single if their previous partner picked someone. Mm-hmm. Wild scenes. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the, the premise of the show is people falling in love and that's why it's called Love Island. But it's a lot of relationship dynamics, a lot of Damn. like funny challenges. They make them do really ridiculous stuff. <laughs> Challenge is um, my favorite part. They're so funny. <laughs> And then they also have like a party every night. So they'll get really, really dressed up and they'll have like a party every night. And most of the show is just people pulling people for chats um, and people. Yeah. And then people developing the relationship throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, The girls always get really close. The guys always get really close that they have like girl and guy like discussions in the mornings, usually about how things are going. Um, And they tend to have like girls day out, guys day out kind of things, Mm -hmm. um, which is usually when they bring in a new bombshell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, we're going to brunch. There's two new girls. So, <laughs> two new girls enter the villa. villa. <laughs> this week. Um, um, the actual piece de resistance, though, is Ian. Ian Sterling is Ian's the narrator. So and he's funny. Everything. He's flipping everything. He's so funny. There was when I'm on season seven, um, series seven, and there was this guy who came in who owns a bucket hat company and in every single episode made at least five jokes about it. And so good. good. Yeah. He makes um. there's a guy on this season on season eight. I'm watching the current season and his name is Lucas Bish B I S H. And he sells fish and genuinely every episode he makes a joke. He's like, seems like he's feeling a bit crabby. The man sells fish. <laughs> like, there's, there's always a fish joke. It's so funny. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's like 80% of the reason why I watch the show. Just to hear Honestly, n- like 90%. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I, I still stand by, I'm not, I have to be in the right mood for reality TV personally. I much prefer, if I'm going to watch reality TV, my first go-to is always RuPaul's Drag Race. And then if I'm in a, like a chaotic mood, America's next top model. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, if I'm in like a, I don't like, well, it's funny because I say that I don't want to have like emotional, like investment or work, but then I watch love Island and it's like, you can't help but get invested in the couples. And you do sometimes because you hear now granted it's edited. I get that. Like what we hear might not be what they were talking about. I understand. But you know, as far as we're concerned, the perception is like these two have been a couple. She's talking to the girls about how much she likes them, how close they are. And he's saying, well, if another girl that was my type walked in, I'd probably get to know her. And to be fair, it's only been a week in their time. And for us, it's like it's still a week, but we've seen so much of the development that we but feel also, so invested. Imagine you're spending, it's like dog ears. You're spending every hour of the day with these people. So you're spending a week with them, but you're spending a week with them 24 seven. Like there's That's nowhere true. else you're going. Even yeah. when it's edited down to 45 minutes, you're with them the full 24 seven. And yeah. especially if you watch the unseen bits. So every week when there's not a new episode, they'll release unseen bits, which is kind of mm-hmm. like bloopers, but more tailored. 
Um, and basically it'll just show you some funny bits that weren't in the main episodes, but like it, there's no way for them to give you an account of all the conversations that they've had. So you have to superimpose that. Although most of the selections of what we hear are like them talking about them, talking about themselves. Like there, there is, there's at some point, like a selection of, they have actual deep conversations because at some points they'll reference things that they've learned about each other or blah, blah, blah. And while they may not show all of those, like, you're with these people 24 seven. I wish they would because Hannah and I, the first time I watched it with her, I was like, have you noticed that every time they have a chat, what they talk about is what they look like, how they feel about the chats that they have, or they talk about chats that they previously had. And it doesn't feel like it's this, so I'm like, we watch this and I'm like, how the heck can you fall in love with someone? When literally all you say is, I feel like we have so much in common and we, he's so funny. And he says things like, Oh yeah, like my shorts were really short, you know. Like Hannah joked about how I think shorts are funny. These people genuinely think that, like, because he said, and like you, the girls are like cracking up at these jokes. He's got jokes, quote unquote, these guys are making. And I'm like, where was it? <laughs> where was the joke? And um, if I were, I would just like to say, if I were on Love Island, here is my game plan. Here's Emma. On Love okay, <laughs> here's the thing. Emma has the same perception of herself on every program. Like you could That's pick true. any program Absolutely and it would be true. this. So because I would go be ahead, this, but this is not just Love Island. This no. is like, imagine, imagine <laughs> me on The Bachelor. Imagine <laughs> like it's the same character. No, it's like the same character. My goal is to spread chaos like that's what I want to do if I'm on reality television like because I'm here for myself you know I'm here to find love no I'm not no I'm here to like get my my 15 minutes and to spread chaos and make good television like that's what I want chaos to do. theory is based on her life yep here we are <laughs> neutral no no good definitely not so chaotic evil is me and I am her and so what I would want to do in those conversations is like oh he's like making a joke no reaction crickets him don't laugh at all <laughs> Because these guys are attractive, you know, like generically attractive, like guys, you know. That's why they pick them for the show. They're all yeah. either pretty or attractive. Although yeah. there are a lot of them that you will be like, oh, I'm not attracted to them. But like objectively, they're all attractive. Yeah. That's why they're like, They all have abs. The guys do. The girls all have big boobs and or a bum. Most of them don't have bums, to be quite honest. It's usually boobs or a bum. But um blonde or brown long hair rarely like there's usually one girl with the short haircut and then the rest have like tons extensions. of extensions yeah lips done all fake as hugo would put it and they did not like that i'll tell you but um I'll tell you that for free i digress you know they talk about how these like crazy deep conversations they have and like all we hear is them talking about how they've talked before and it's like I don't know what you're talking about deep. Yeah, it's one of the meanest things Emma's ever said to me because I watch the show to unplug and I just like generically enjoy the background noise. But it was like the glass shattered and I couldn't unsee it. And so now every time they're like, you know, what? I just think we have the best chemistry. I just love the way we talk to each other. You know, the best thing about it is that we can just talk and we just always talk. And you're like, oh, my God, like, you're not. You're just talking about talking. <laughs> and you, you're like, how did you ever form a connection to this person? And like when Brad in season seven is like, we had the best conversations. And I can't do his accent because it's too Scottish for me. But um, the best conversation, something like that. Gan, if you can. Um he he's talking about how great a conversation is because he's talking about himself and because the girl is not interrupting him and and makes it so funny he's like get ready a record has been set on the island brad has asked a woman a question a question <laughs> and 
and I, the point of all of all of this portion of the conversation is that it, it blows my mind that you can spend this much time with someone for a week and then still be like, well, I'm not sure that's giving me everything that I want. It's like, well, what are you looking for? What else yeah. could you possibly be looking for? Yeah, I think. I think a lot of it is because there a lot of them are in their early 20s. Definitely. So you're taking a lot of people who haven't done a ton of emotional work. Um, and you're taking a lot of people who value things that are superficial, just naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're putting them in a room and you're giving them a microphone. So what you're getting is basically if Instagram had a voice. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's just it's just like background commentary from a naive person who values mm-hmm. superficial things. Yeah. However, I really still like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do like it. it. It's easy television, you know? Um, That's the thing is like, especially because I, I think for a living, um, no, like I, I just do a lot of mental work at my job. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, some jobs are quite mindless. You can just kind of carry them out and be done. Mine's the opposite. It takes a lot of mental gymnastics, a lot of mental work. There's a lot of thinking and analysis that go into what I do. Mm-hmm. And so naturally when I watch TV, I, you know, like some people are like, oh, I really need something that has like a massive plot. And I'm like, honestly, I don't have energy for it. I can't, I can't emotionally invest in something. I can't follow it. I want like, something that, I can half listen to like breaking bad when it was a big thing. I, just, I didn't have one. It's not content that like really rivets me, but it's also like, I didn't have the mental capacity after 12 hour work days to sit there no. and have to like pay attention to a plot, you know? So. Oh, did you see that? Did you see that? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Shh. All right. Hottest take in the world. I hated breaking bad. Wow. I hated it. I don't feel enough about it to like have an emotion that like I feel I watched like it. all of season one and I loathe it. Can't mm-hmm. stand it. All the characters are stupid. Not one of them is relatable and I don't care what happens to them. It's like the ultimate failure of a TV program. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody in the world loves Breaking Bad. So I try not to say it. I mean, it's I think they're not the plot or really like the story. But I think that there's like the technical elements of the show are well done, like filming and costume and things like that. I can appreciate. Um, I really feel like they captured the right mood, um, but I don't have any interest or like um, stake in it. So I'm kind of like, meh. I think you judge a good TV show by how much would you care if one or all of the characters died? And my answer was not at all. Like oh, gone. If, a, if episode two, a meteor hit earth and they all died, I wouldn't care. And I'm like, now <laughs> compare that show ever. <laughs> compare that to Gilmore girls, right? A meteor uh, comes, they all die. Devastated. Devastation. Compare that to RuPaul's drag race. Even like, it doesn't even need to be a super <laughs> plot show, but you know what I mean? Like how much would you care? Yeah. And my answer for, for breaking bad was literally no. <laughs> Don't. I just can't. I can't. It's not even that I don't want to. I just I don't can't. Want to. It's that I can't want to. I literally can't. Um, also, we need to talk about TikTok. Okay. Book talk or TikTok? The both of the talks. Okay. So, <laughs> um, my fun fact, my phone, Emma knows this because she got the text, but my phone autocorrected and it was like the ultimate elder millennial moment. <laughs> so I typed, I typed book talk. B-O-O-K-T-O-K. And it, it immediately autocorrected it to book space T-A-L-K talk. 
And so <laughs> I was like, if that's not a boomer moment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, you know, TikTok gets like, I, I was not in the TikTok camp initially, but like I set up shop. I was firmly not in the camp. Hannah was and not actually, a part of it. I, yeah, I like it now more. But the thing is, I still don't love social media that much. So I try yeah. not to stay on it for very long. But I, so I used to only TikTok when I was ill. Um, which Emma would know, oh, Hannah's sick because she'd get like 45 videos. So many videos. Um, <laughs> and to be honest with you, I don't regret it, but I, I now am a more regular TikToker. I just, I still like, I like my feed, but I am not obsessed. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. watch it for hours. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I used to be, I, I used to like get on TikTok and I'd look up and three hours had passed. And I was like, what has happened? And now I like, I get on there just to like decompress for a bit. Like if I don't want to read or yeah. like, watch something, I'll get on there for like 15, 20 minutes and just scroll through some videos, maybe send Hannah one or two. And then I'm like, all right, I'm over this. Yeah. And I get out of it. But at first I was like firmly invested. I know I get it. Cause I, I am she, like I was <laughs> the opposite of a TikTok fan. I really sure. didn't like it. I really didn't get it. And it's because it's good at curating content to what you like. Now, Mm -hmm. did TikTok algorithm smash it out of the park for me? Immediately, no. I've had to curate a lot of my own content. Yeah, that's true. Like, when people are like, oh, my God, it read me so well. I'm like, you must be a really uncomplicated person because it was so so bad. It was so bad for so long. I was like, I don't care about any of these videos. That's why, like, I did. I got it and I deleted it because I was like, I don't see anything on here that I like. So you have to go through a lot of videos and either scroll past them really quickly or say, I don't want to specifically search. You have to specifically search as well. Yeah. So luckily, eventually, my For You page was like, oh, I see what kind of person you are. Um, anything that disparages men or... <laughs> immediately, yes. <laughs> Bring it to me. Drew a follow. Immediately, yes. She was there. And I was like, my life has been changed. Um, I still get like fitness talk, which I don't enjoy because it's like skinny girls telling me how to like be in shape. And I'm like, you're 21. I get it. I was you. I understand. Look at I me now. She. I am your future. <laughs> So (laughs) you should be so lucky anyway. So I do really like TikTok for one specific thing, which is actually why we're talking about it today, which is Mm -hmm. hashtag book talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason is because I, so we talked about this at the beginning of the year. I'm a different person. I love reading. I read a lot of books. She's different. She, she hits different. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't exactly know what I'm hitting, but I'm hitting different. So <laughs> <laughs> Verona slaps. People don't talk about it. <laughs> People aren't talking about it. So anyway, Verona does slap. If you get the chance, go. So the point being, here's the point. <laughs> I read a lot of books now. And so yeah. there's. I like love to read like Vogue, <laughs> Cosmopolitan. I read so much. Listen, there's a huge benefit to it in the sense that, like, I truly enjoy what I read. The problem is I'm also very, very picky. You know, those five-year-olds that are like, I want chicken nuggets. And you're like, you should try this, this, and that. And they're like, I want chicken nuggets. That's what I'm like with fantasy. I only like what I like. (laughs) Sorry. I only like what I like. (laughs) And I don't like what I don't like. And you can't tell me. Like, you can tell me that, like, this book has merit. That book has merit. Like, um, any, so for me and, and Emma can give her own list cause we're slightly different in what we like. We have a lot mm-hmm. of commonalities, but we're, we're, she's much more open-minded than I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like my core 
like I have to have this for me to enjoy a book are it has to be fantasy. What do I mean by that? It can't be set in the real world. Right. I live in the real world. I go here. Don't I don't want to read about it. I don't <laughs> want to read about it. I know about it. Trust and believe. I know. I have I, been there. We've been new. Okay. <laughs> I go here. So it can't be based in the real world. It has to involve something that I find intriguing as a world building element. So that mm -hmm. could be magic. That could be um, a, a specific set of rules that they live by, a specific place that they live in. But it has to be interesting to me. Like if it's just like, and it wasn't Earth, like, okay. Other than that, it's the same thing. So <laughs> in a world that isn't your world, it's the opposite of your world. It's a different world. And it's a world where people live, but they're not humans, but they are humans, but they're different from humans. That's like, I'm in. <laughs> you had me. <laughs> um, yeah, so can't can't do that. Um, and then also, it needs to have a romantic element that I'm interested mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Because here's the truth of it. <laughs> I love love. I love love. I, I love it. I love <laughs> unrealistic love. I love an unrealistic love. And here's why. Again, um, I am blessed. I am humbled. I am forever grateful for my relationship. That's true. But I already <laughs> have him. <laughs> I just wish you guys could have seen the text that I was getting when Hannah was reading Akatar, A Court of Throne and Roses, the series. Because, and I can relate because I got to this part and I was like, so you're telling me that I have to date a human? You're telling me? <laughs> Listen, I love my husband. I will never leave him nor forsake him. He's the bomb.com. Okay. But um, one, we, we already fell in love, so I don't get to fall in love again because that's called Sad. adultery. Um, so don't I don't do get to kids. experience that like falling in love feeling. That's all that dating is exciting for. Everything else sucks. <laughs> that's true. But <laughs> like once everything you have that, you're like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. So like I love I love getting to experience falling in love again because again mm -hmm. like there's not that many social constructs where it's safe and healthy for me to do so. And then number 2, um I enjoy unrealistic love because women are better. And so a woman explaining how someone falls in love and like the things the man will say and do, I'm just, uh, it's the perfect man. It's the women, perfect man. If women were responsible for men's actions in the real world, we would have no problems. And Harmony. I stand by that. I stand by that. Unless maybe maybe not like Amarantha, but like everybody else can have a decision. Yeah, okay, not her. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna go through her list in a minute, but I just need to record for posterity that yeah. I was right. Okay, so <laughs> Emma has a particular thing that she hates. She hates when people disparage things that she likes. And she really can't stand it when people basically yuck her yum. Like anything that she likes, <laughs> if you tell her that it's not good, or like if you suggest like, oh, mm, if you do the nose crinkle, she's immediately angry, immediately. She's like, it's <laughs> condescending. And it tells me that you don't value me and you don't think I have good taste. So all that to say, I was reading Akatar and she's like, I read like six chapters, barf, move on. Like, that's not, not, even not you did. No, I won't find the text. I read the first book because when I read the first book, the other books had not yet come out. So I only I'm had a hipster. The first book. I read everything. 
everything before everyone. I have been ticked or book talked to most of the books, but it's fine. Um, so let me just tell you what that sounds like to me. <laughs> we have come full circle. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I just wanted to get on record yes. that Emma has since read Akatar, and it, as I said, absolutely slaps. So here we are, full circle. Right. I don't care that the rest of Book Talk recommended it. I was correct. As far as we, Hannah and I, and the team are concerned, it was Hannah's suggestion and not Book Talks. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's the thing. I, I love Akatar. I do. It's a good series. Sarah J. Mass just is a good writer. I've, she I've is! Liked, she's like top tier fantasy. If you're into fantasy novels, Sarah J. Mass is like, she's like the Agatha Christie of mystery, but for fantasy. People talk down about her and it actively makes me angry because they're like, she's a not a good writer. I'm like, no, whoever wrote Twilight can't remember her name. She was Stephanie Meyer. Stephanie she Meyer, was not a good not writer. A good writer. She, she was not great. a good writer. Not a good writer. Not a good writer. But actually, E.L. Thomas, I think is Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. E.L. James, E.L. James. Yeah. Anyway, Sarah J. Mass, she's a great good writer. writer. Anyway, moving on. I, I do love Akatar, and maybe I prefer Riz over other characters in other books. I do because he's just like if I could describe my perfect man, it would be Rizlin. It really just would be like off the bat, everything that I want in a man: wings. Okay, big, big for me. Um, <laughs> the ability, the ability to kill people and turn them into mist, like just by snapping your fingers. Love that about you. Um, swanky attitude and also a tattoo as soon as I make a promise to you love that I'm into it um, as a whole I I'm still more partial to the throne of glass series and that's like controversial I know um, I love Agatar I do I think it's well, Sergey Matt's great writer and I love the story and the plot and there's nothing about it that I don't like I think that maybe it's just because I've read Throne of Glass first in its entirety. I'm just like, I have more of an attachment to it. Like, I get it though, because it is different. Like Throne of Glass has so many more moving parts and pieces uh-huh. and like plot lines. And Akatar has multiple plot lines, but it's mostly in one stream. Whereas I feel like a Throne of Glass is like 75 puzzle pieces that you only put together at the end. Yeah. Um, all that to say, Emma, what is your list of loves on books? Like what? what's your... I love okay, this okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fantasy also is like my top genre forever. And I love a good, like, just run of the mill fiction, but they don't stick with me the same way that fantasy does. And there are some authors that are really good at intertwining the two. So there's this series, it's not really a series, but she like writes multiple books in the same vein. Um, they're all set in like South Carolina. So it's real world, but there's like elements of magic within them. And I can appreciate that. Like Girl Who Chased the Moon, really good book. Not a fantasy novel, but has elements of like supernatural. So I like that. But fantasy is still my top genre. And if a lot of people, when you exit a certain age range, like look down on that as if you're not like, it's not quote unquote mature reading. And here's the thing. When I read a book, I just want, I'm reading for fun. I'm reading because I enjoy it. Not because I want to learn something, you know? Also, what does it say about you if you're reading something to impress someone? Right. Like, oh, I'm reading Proust. I don't want to read Proust. I just don't. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to read Proust. Medina. <laughs> I just don't. Um, and I, I, 
appreciate being well-read and I appreciate the classic novels that I have had to read for school, but I was reading them for school. I didn't choose to read them. I read them because I had to. And that yeah, takes like, away from I love, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. It's a great book, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's not my personal taste in books that would compel me to read it. It was a good book that I read, but I, I wouldn't like seek out books of that ilk yeah. to read again. I used to say that To Kill a Mockingbird was my favorite book. And that was true but after a while i think i was saying that because it's like people want to hear that your favorite book is this like you know classic or complex novel you it's know? a hipstery smarty thing like oh, i'm so complex and i'm, I'm actually deep emotionally and actually i uh, i only read the classics so i don't actually and like it's the patriarchy's fault anymore it's the patriarchy's fault that we feel the need to be that kind of person so Screw you, patriarchy. I like fantasy novels. So you heard it here first. It's a smart girl's pick me. It really is. It is. Books in general is a smart girl's pick me. It's like, I read books. She's waving pom-poms. I'm looking at you, Taylor Swift. Like, But you know what it is? It's because we all grew up watching Disney and Belle was so cool and so I do really relate to Belle. She read books. <laughs> but the whole, her whole personality was that she's nice. She reads books. There's nothing else. That's true. There's nothing else there. And the beast was like, she's so complex and emotionally amazing because she reads all these books. It's like, okay. But that's where it comes from. It comes from girls molding themselves into a modern bell and going, that's true. I read books in my tower. Books. I hope someday someone will notice how Be wonderful I am. <laughs> Be Bring me a rug. <laughs> You know, French things. Um, hang on a second. Go lay, go lay down. You're driving me crazy. Please lay down. Just, just You're just staring at me. Okay. Um, I don't so she like it's too much. In case you were wondering, she didn't go lay down. She's just <laughs> hanging out next to me. Hi. The shutters, like if it's windy, the shutters will like close on the windows and it freaks the dogs out. So they get like this every so often and it's like it's just the window and they're like no we're gonna die (laughs) i'm like i get it no this is the end okay Okay, so fantasy fantasy romance but like not cheap romance for the sake of romance you know yeah i couldn't read a romance novel in the sense that like a a bodice ripper or whatever they call them i can't (laughs) um i can't do it no i i want some complexity there i like in how sarah did J-Mass did this in Throne of Glass and in Akatar. The two primary characters that fall in love do not fall in love. Like, it wasn't like they looked at each other and they were like, you're my mate, we're in love. Like, it took time to get to that point, which is more realistic, in my opinion, as realistic as a fairy relationship can be, which is unfortunately not super realistic, which is tragic. Rude. because Which is sad, but tragic. <laughs> and I tell you, I was texting him and I was like, so... I don't believe in soulmates, which means I don't get to have a mating bond, which means it's going to be so much harder. It's going to be so dumb. <laughs> and so, yeah, so you, romance is usually on the list. That's kind of a given when you read fantasy anyway. Like, rarely is there not an element of romance involved. A lot of what they call high fantasy, which is basically just bougie fantasy for people who think they're better than lower brow fantasy, which is where I like to live. <laughs> um, it's it's all, there's no romance at all. Or if it is, it's like, they looked at each other across the room and then a monster burst in. Like, it's, it's okay, just like a just random say, moment. You can just say Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you can just say it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but I'm going to say it. Um, Dune, that means that I love the movies. 
great movies but dune and lord of the rings the series are a little bit too maybe it's just too detailed for me i appreciate good world building but if it takes you 10 pages to describe a location to me i'm lost like i'm not interested anymore you lost me i'm out yeah you know because for me the world building is more so less about the scenery and more like it's it's more so about like the people that encompass it like what are the special elements about it like oh the grass was so bright okay well is there a lake of starlight is there (laughs) if i don't get a lake of starlight i don't want it um yeah i know what you mean and also i think it's like i appreciate about an author that they will let me interpret visual things for myself yeah i actually don't prefer like i prefer very explicit physical descriptions so i can picture the characters but i don't prefer anything else to be super super explicit because then i can imagine it in my head how i want to rather than like and this is exactly what it looked like and you're like okay like great but now there's no imagination for me it's just this Mm -hmm. is what it looks like okay (laughs) i sent hannah this tiktok where it was like me reading a book and no matter the physical description of the character being like me (laughs) like i automatically i'm gonna put myself in the shoes of the main character and we all should be able to do that which is why i like when they don't give me the exact details about something the eye color fine hair color fine um skin color is sometimes there sometimes it's ambiguous sometimes you know and i kind of i like that for readers being able to place themselves in the shoes of the character regardless of what that character may or may not look like in the author's head which is why when they make movies out of it i i'm sometimes sort of like resentful from the start because i'm like that's not what i pictured and now whenever i read the book that's what i'm gonna see interestingly and emma i've talked about this before just in our personal lives I don't picture myself as the main character. I'm always watching it like I would watch a TV show. So like Mm. as things unfold, I imagine everything happening, but I'm not, I'm not the main character, if that makes sense. I'm just watching it unfold. So whereas Emma is the main character because she exudes main character energy in every area of her life. So so anyway, the rest Mm. of your book list. Fantasy, romance. um, What else? Marley, please, your breath is so terrible. I love you, but God. Um, um, I don't, uh, war, I, conflict of some kind, I kind of prefer just because it makes it more interesting, even though that's kind of predictable in and of itself. Like, yes, of course there's going to be a conflict of some kind, but like what kind of conflict, you know? And because if it's just characters following on each other, that's kind of just boring. Like I need some action and I guess action is the better word more than conflicts. So like action involved somehow. I think those are the three major things that I really need to be interested in a novel. Also, I don't like it when they do in this case, it's okay because in Avatar, it's usually just one or the other, but when they get too many characters switching viewpoints, I get lost. Like, I am not capable of like emotionally investing in seven of you. Okay. I need just like, because in the fourth book for Akatar, you get Rizlin, Farah, and Cassian so far, maybe others, but that's who I'm at so far. And it's like, I like that, but at the same time, I'm not super invested in Cassian right now. Like I'm sure I will be because he and Nesta have this thing going on. That's great. But it's just that when you have too many narrators, it gets a little too convoluted for me. Yeah, um, I experienced the same thing in The Red Queen, um, Mm, which is a really mm -hmm. good book. But um, there were so many times that we ended up by the end of the five books, we ended up switching perspectives 
that it was borderline confusing for me to mentally imagine what that person would feel like and think. Mm-hmm. But I will say I dislike it less than Emma because again, I'm not I'm not picturing myself as them, so it's less emotional work for me. It's mm-hmm. more just thinking about how they'd think about something and like framing it from their thoughts rather than, you know, the other person's thoughts. The There's other thing the I really don't like me. The other thing I really don't like is plot twists for the sake of plot twists. Oh, I need the yes. plot twist to be significant. But if you're like, we trust them, they're untrustworthy. <laughs> and like, and they're like <laughs> you should trust them. You really should trust them. No, you should trust them. I was lying. Okay. And then like nothing, <laughs> but like nothing else happens. Like there's no purpose for the betrayal. It doesn't play yeah. a part in a wider story. I just couldn't care less. So it like character development is really important in the sense that it needs to go somewhere, not just like develop them for no purpose. Well, you know, like with Amarin in the last, in the final battle, like what happened with her and Fair at the Cauldron, that was a good plot twist in a way, because you think, oh my God, I've spent two books and this person has been this way this whole time. And now suddenly the last thing Fair says is like, and that's what Amarin betrayed me before she was on to the next chapter. And it's like, what? And of course everything clears up. I'm like, when my plot twists are resolved quickly. <laughs> I don't like to spend chapters upon chapters in agony over the plot twist. I really don't because I get so like, I get stressed out. It really stresses me out. The thing that stresses me out is when the main characters, usually, you know, the woman and her love interest have like a really big row and they fall out for like multiple chapters. It Hate really- that stresses me out Ever i since harry potter in the long term but it stresses me out like when i think my first experience of that was with harry potter when like in the goblet of fire when ron like basically turns his back on harry that was my first experience in a book where it was like two people that you thought were like inseparable are now not with each other for a they're separable like they <laughs> are it happened again in goblin and um, in deathly hollows and i was like i cannot my heart can't take this i can't because then i like i'm like tempted to skip ahead be like well they get back together right right (laughs) yeah yeah um i think let's probably close out book talk t-a-l-k um with maybe uh should we do worst book we've read recently we can do that because maybe it's just because they're not bad books but i'm just underwhelmed by them that i consider them bad books okay okay I read a book called Winterwood recently and okay. it was a, it was a book talk recommendation. She's got a couple of books. Once again, we're in a real world setting, you know? So like, it's got magic, it's got fantasy, but it's set in like Boston or, you know, wherever. So Hate. you're not, you're not immediately like taken into this new world. Right. And it was interesting, but it's every time you thought it was going to go somewhere, it flatlined. So, and it's not that, it's not that the plot twist is like predictable, but they didn't, she didn't, she didn't take it where she could have taken it. The author didn't. And so by the time you got to it, you were like, okay. And then the book was basically over after that. So it wasn't like it was revealed halfway or three quarters of the way through. It was like the last 50 pages that you find out. And it's like, well, now I don't have time to really process it in the novels over. And yeah. I think it was just too juvenile for me, just like mm. not really her writing style, but just like the characters and the situation that they're in. I couldn't relate to it. And so therefore I like I read it because like I almost always finish the books that I start, but I didn't really enjoy it. 
So I'll give two examples. Um, and one is a book series that Emma really likes, but I, <laughs> it was just not the one for me. Sure. Um, and I, it's largely because it's based in this world and there's very little like the moons involved, but there's very little fantasy world elements apart from it's like a, a post-apocalyptic situation. So mm -hmm. it's a series of rewritten fairy tales, which in and of themselves are fine. Like they're fine books, but they're definitely books that I had to like push myself to finish because I'd already started it. And I just wanted to see how it ended. Um, and it's the, uh, what's the series called? Um, I don't know what we're talking about. It's so it's, it starts with, cinder and then it goes to scarlet oh, crest yeah. and winter okay it's it's yeah i can see what you mean because it's technically in like beijing new beijing is like the primary yeah. setting so yeah i can see what you mean but yeah i really love that series i do i really don't um i didn't and th this is where emma and i really digress but um none of the characters i were i like wasn't massively invested in any in any of them there were two that i was quasi invested in but they weren't the main characters mm -hmm. so it was really hard to like follow that you were invested and then, in red and wolf weren't you 100 percent. yeah um <laughs> immediately yes um and then to be honest like i'm glad that i read them like i'm, I'm not upset that i read them it wasn't a waste of my time but I wouldn't read them again. Um, and I didn't like them comparative to the other books that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, now, book that I started reading and stopped was it actually, this is what makes me upset. So it looks really good. It's a series, it's a trilogy. It starts with City of Brass and then it goes on mm -hmm. and it's set in like a quasi Egyptian setting. Mm -hmm. which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to like it. The oh. problem with it was it, so it described itself as like, um, there are gin and like, there are magical elements that are about, and you know, it basically draws in the main character who doesn't interact with the magical elements at all. And then all of a sudden it's like thrust into her life and it totally changes everything, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I started reading it, it was after the French had invaded and thrown out the Ottomans. And wow. so immediately I'm like, okay, so we're in like a history context. Okay. Mm. And then it was like, it was like not even four chapters in and this, she finds this girl possessed by a spirit. And I'm like, immediately, no, immediately, no. And like, it seems like that's where the rest of the book is going, that this like spirit recognizes her and they're calling them Jin, which to me would have been a Fey reference, but it's Jin not. Or like, no, that's like a, the de devil spirits as far as like, I think it's something along. It's like an evil spirit in like Middle Eastern culture. Right. So the only place I've encountered them is with Departed Fey from the Ember in the Ashes series. I've oh, never heard of yeah. Jin other than yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. So I was like, nope, nope, nope. I can't do any, I can't, I can't do spiritual possession. I cannot. One cannot. Um, so <laughs> I was like, not does it just make you like uncomfortable or does it like, is it just not yeah. interesting to you? It makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. And it's also, it's both. It's a yes. And it makes okay. me uncomfortable and there's no interest for me. Like I don't mm -hmm. care mm -hmm. um, because ultimately all that's going to happen is she's going to interact with these spirits, which I'm like, what if okay. she fell in love with the spirit? Really freaks me out. Don't like the movie Ghost. Not into it. Got you. Okay. Okay. 
Yes. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. For me, as soon as you bring in historical real world elements, I'm just not into it because it's, I don't like historical fiction as a whole, really anyway, history. And you love history too, which is why I think it's so funny that you don't like these kind of books. So but. I love historical fiction and I love period pieces in film. Yeah. Um, but it's just not my book jam. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I really, I want to exist outside of the world as we know it, outside of this yeah. universe. I want to be on a different plane completely because once again, I read for fun and to like decompress. And if you're bringing real world elements into it, our real world elements, um, I'm immediately like, it stresses me out in a way because it's like, yeah, it does. I can't have the escapism that I'm seeking. And so therefore I'm still sort of like, I read to like take me somewhere else, but now I'm thrust back into where I'm already at. And I don't like that. So it could be like in Italy. And I'm like, nope, because I'm just like, I live there. So I'm just not interested in reading. Someone (laughs) someone was talking about where the crawdads sing. Um, Isn't that supposed to be like a children's book or like a a teenager's book? It's supposed to be like a YA book, but whoa. But the point being, it's it's in South Carolina. Yeah. And it doesn't leave South Carolina and there's no other element. I'll give you a great example of what would be possible for me. Beautiful creatures. So I love that. Yeah. Great. Set in South Carolina, but it has so many other elements to it and so many other world building pieces that make it feel not like just South Carolina. Yeah. It's like, it just so happens that the mansion is located in South Carolina. That you could get away with it. Yeah. But when it's just like, and they were in Chicago, you're like, okay, well, Uh You know, it's one it's, of the reasons I don't like Divergent. There's a series, and I don't know that, I think it's the Shadow Hunters or something series. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've read, I, I've read part of it. I like it. I do. Um, once again, we have that, like, some unknown force, or this case, unknown force, is forcing the two main characters apart romantically because he tells them that they're related. He's like, actually, that's your brother. And she's like, how can he be my brother? Like, I'm in love with this guy. And it's like a lot of turmoil. They're not related. Spoiler alert for everybody. But <laughs> it was a lie. Um, there's no incest. So, but that's set in like real world cities. So it's like Manhattan and Chicago and like all these places. And I liked the series, but I think if I reread it now, I would once again be like, you know, I've read such good series that take place outside of where I actually reside and exist that I'm just not, I can't get invested. Yeah. Yep. We will end book talk here. The book is closed. The library is shut because reading is what? Fundamental. Fundamental. (sighs) Well, as we've talked out our Akatar loves, our general book hates, um, basically everything that was on our mind, which of course means that it was on your mind team, we're just going to cut you loose. So thanks for being here with us. This is the TCT and we hope that you join us next time. And that's the tea.